0: It doesn't echo me out cool we're saying we're live already right yes it does sir I'll say we're live already awesome um I'm just checking it cool so we are very very lucky um bit of a, an association superstar we've got Jeff Curran with us tonight um who is a veteran of pretty much all of the major um MMA organizations out there and uh an awesome instructor and has got a really good reputation within the association black belt under pedro Sao, um, and is a fourth degree is that right yes yes cool. so yeah really lucky thank you again for like jumping on
1: yeah my pleasure glad it worked out
0: yeah yeah and we know you've had a bit of a tough time a bit like us with lockdown and stuff and getting going again with the academy and stuff like that and we were just talking before the podcast about Jeff's now back up and training, um, and we're excited to start training for the first time this weekend and get the guys back together again. So what was it like that first time you got everyone back together again? Did you get good response? And-
1: yeah, we had about 25 guys. Uh, I started like with one of my normal night classes where I had four of my old school guys, um, not not like a beginner class or like a kid's class. I wanted to launch the reopening with some of my own longer running guys. Um, a lot weren't ready to come back yet. A lot weren't able to. Um, I think a lot of them aren't even on social media or paying attention to email. So they don't know. Um, they check the website. The website's not, we had about 25 guys. And that's about all that the new handle um, for the time being. So small class, Good for me, uh, but it was awesome. I got to at least have some face-to-face connection with a lot of the people who've had my back through the whole thing. And you know, I had such a good group of people that still paid tuition and still let let, let the money roll for us a little bit to pay bills and at least not completely plundered to the for our death. Um, it's not ideal, but it was a big help, and it was nice to see those guys face to face.
0: Yeah, I bet it, Yeah, we're looking forward to it tomorrow. it would be nice to see everyone. Um, what did you sort of do during? Did you, were you doing, because I'm sure you've got a sort of big library of stuff anyway, but uh, did you do live classes and stuff with your guys whilst you were not allowed to train?
1: We did. Like, I'm not good at Zoom at all. I tried a couple of things that uh, my wife does with her kids at the school. Um, Zoom, I'm not good at. I, was a, I attempted it, didn't, didn't fare well. So we would just do live streams and then um, a couple private live streams a week. Uh, And then I would, I was filming so much for um, my video, my online video site, jeffcurran.tv and that I'm getting ready to launch soon. So I was filming a lot. So when I would fall short and feel like I need to still keep my schedule, uh, we would share that link privately with our members. Um, Also... A couple of my good friends, um, the Resvic family in sh- Chicago, opened up their online um, their their online school free for my guys for six months. Pedro opened up his for free for a while. So, but a- after a while, everybody was like, "Man, there's nothing worse than watching jiu-jitsu videos every day and not being able to do." It. You know, so people just like, "I don't need more." They would rather they the thing that they liked the most. When I was doing these like live stream talks where we would just sit around and you know talk with everybody live and people could ask questions and we would pull in fight footage um I don't know if you guys seen any of those but it was cool because I could kind of sit around a little loose and you know drink some beers and have fun with every have kind of a happy hour with some of the guys um you know people from around the country ch- uh chimed in and said hello and whatnot so that was fun but again, it all, to me, it all just gets old and train. Uh, so getting back on the mat was, was big for me. Uh, I think one of the things that really prepares like prepared me for it was I never really wanted to stop fighting in MMA. So being kind of like for more reasons than one, uh, kind of forced, but also the smart move was probably to retire. Um, not being able to do something that you love to do and train for it and that was a big adjustment for me uh so not being able to train jujitsu i kind of treated it like retirement and like maybe i'll come out of retirement soon and uh get back on the mat or knowing i'll come out of retirement and get back on the mat it gives me a peace of mind that it's not forever
2: jeff are are you giving us an exclusive there are you coming out of retirement on the mma as well (laughs)
1: <laughs> i i would only talk about that privately i put it out publicly and it would be and my wife heard it. Would be, yeah. no i you know i honestly i i am not i am probably certain i will fight again someday in my life whether it's once or you know another 10 times i don't know but um at least once i don't know where and when um we were trying to get something. With then I was talking with uh, another show here in the country, Titan um, Brave. They had uh, put gave an offer like a couple of years ago, another year and a half ago, and you know, some 25 year old kid, 12 and, up, and Maybe that's not what I want. You know, I'm turning 43, and maybe I don't want to fight the net, notch on somebody's belt. You know, so I'm just trying to like. Thank God we have the not thank God but thank God I have nowhere to fight right now, um, nowhere to really train hard, so I can just kind of make that excuse and not have to worry about re- coming out retirement for the fourth or fifth time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it keeps you? Uh, what is it that keeps you going back? You know, you said you love the the MMA, but what what but what about it? Was it that, that keeps you going back?
1: Uh, I think just the. I think what it did for me overall, like since I was a kid, preparing to, um, kind of push me through th- different times in my life. When I was that, when that time I hit nineteen years old and I I made my debut and got a man tournament. Um, it was like it just reminds me of, it, into those time period like where I feel like I'm really in control of my life and I'm chasing dreams and facing like things that I love to do. And when I do jujitsu tournaments and train for jiu-jitsu, it's like a different mindset for me. I'm not, I don't ever really get too nervous. Uh, I go out and do it for fun. I like to represent, but um, there was always something about fighting somebody who was a guy that was a bit really appealing to me. Like, you know, proving the, proving myself to them. Whereas when you're fighting another jiu-jitsu black belt, you're kind of like, one of us is going to win. One of us is going to lose. And if I lose, I'm losing to good jiu-jitsu. So it's a little easier for me to swallow. So it's something about fighting that's just a little different uh, risk factor and a little bit more, um, I guess, everything else in my life has to just take a back seat and I just got to be selfish. Of course, I can't do that to the extent that I want used to before i had kids and you know things like that but um now that they're older they help me train and they would they're already still trying to make me train if i pick up like a junk food or something out of my hand i'm like i'm retired i can you want
2: <laughs>
1: uh, We're I'm, gonna bad. you're gonna come back
0: <laughs> i'm interested in that uh like the psychology like with the you're saying with the like a jiu-jitsu tournament kind of, it doesn't feel like there's kind of as much on the line and it's kind of easy to be a bit more relaxed. Sometimes it is. I like, did ab- you get over the nerves for the MMA stuff? I, I can't imagine ever getting over the nerves to deal with that situation effectively.
1: There's there's really, um, you just find ways to fake it. You know, it's the nerves is probably the reason why a lot of people do it. But um, I think more like, I used to think I knew exactly why I fought. now I'm more just like, why didn't I like to do that? But then I think about it and I just get my body just gets all get ready for it. The preparation is just challenging too and the intensity of the moment and like sitting in the locker room, just feeling the the overall fear of like, what am I doing? And you're so scared, but unless you want to completely ruin your reputation, you gotta go out there and do it. you you know when you step in the cage and the, the cage door shuts things changes i'm not nervous at all it's weird you'll have all the way to the cage your legs are heavy you sweat you're shaking you feel like your heart's pounding you know, everything different but as soon as the fight starts you're not nervous at all and that never goes away never goes away for me jiu-jitsu is different too like I want to represent my jujitsu. I want Pedro to be happy. I want him to uh, look at me and say, you know, he's proud of me. And I don't want to go out and have somebody like whoop. So I get really amped up for eating jujitsu. I'm just not f- in afraid of anything, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm not worried about getting knocked out. I'm not worried about getting com- completely humiliated. I believe in myself, you know, that I go out there. And if somebody beats me, then I learn something new and go. Um, and it's not the end of the world. Um, But with MMA, if you lose, it was a big set. You have to dig back and your career takes a huge hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always impressed. Like, it's just the idea of jiu-jitsu tournaments. I I find fine, but yeah, the idea of doing striking and stuff, having done a fair bit of sparring and stuff when we were training before jiu-jitsu, but actually fighting in front of everyone terrified me i just didn't have the guts to to do it sort of live like that so yeah i'm always really interested in how other people feel about it and especially someone that's done it on your level
1: yeah i mean i'm pretty loose in the locker room i've trained and i joke around i have fun you know i just in my head you've got the all those things i was talking about i try not to show it it taxes your energy levels you know if you if you let it so i think that's a big part of just like building it to the point where it doesn't explode out, but building it to a point where you have enough that it's going to get you through the enough uh, fear that you're going to get through the fight using the little bits and pieces of that.
0: Mm. Oh. That makes sense. So how did you, rewinding massively, how did you um, originally meet Professor Marcel, Pedro and how did, you, how did that, that all start?
1: I have a weird start. Um, I was a big into karate for you know years as a kid. And when I was around 14 years old, one of my friends that had karate with, Tom, he got kicked out of the local school that we were at. Like he punched some kid in the face and gave him a bloody nose. And uh, so he got kicked out and he went and found a train. And at this time, Bruce Lee was getting to be so popular that everything was about like um, being... Like f- effective, if you gotta have effective martial arts, you can't just do, you know, katas, and you can't just do point sparring. You gotta have something that has real value. And he was uh, just touring around town, and he found that the place had this guy Adam Miller who was running. Um, he just went to a Hickson Gray seminar, and he was like a judo brown belt I think, and a hapkido black belt, and whatever else he was doing there. And this, the lady who owned the school had let him add a, like a ground fighting class. He called it on Wednesdays, and this is all pre-UFC. This is before the UFC happened. And Tom's like, "Oh man, it's just like wrestling. You like it? Come check it out, you know?" Because I wrestled, I wrestled fourth grade, fourth, fifth, sixth, fourth through eighth grade, whatever that is, five years. I grade school wrestling. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'll come check it out, you know." And we went there on a wednesday night and we learned a great arm bar we learned like americana and the mount position and like a hip throw a couple bass and he gave us these little hands of the moves that he learned he drew them up copies and i was like man this is awesome i'm gonna come back next week but let's get together tomorrow at your house or my house and practice what we learned." and we did that all the all week long and we, you know, back then guys, there was no social media, you know, we, don't, we didn't get, have what we have today. So I was just driving around to every store, buying every martial arts magazine I could, trying to find anything that said anything about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And I came across a seminar for uh, Megaton. So Wellington, Megaton Diaz was doing a like two and a half hours from my house. And I went there, That was a couple weeks I started. I went there, I met him, he gave me his business card. Month, I took a trip to Arizona and spent the next probably three years nonstop going back and forth to Arizona. I would work during the work after school a couple days a week, work weekends, uh, doing flooring, make save money, buy, buy and go stay with Megaton. He let me live with him. So that was my start. Like I did years with Megaton, and then we had a really bad falling out when I was 17. Um, big misunderstanding. Uh, is another really, really long story, but um, he just didn't really, right? So we kind of, kind of like, screw this, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I joined Carlson Gracie team in Chicago, and he had just opened up, and then I got my blue belt with Junior, and I made a lot of good friends, and it was good, a great environment, great place to train. But then Carlson Jr. moved away. And didn't have I didn't have I didn't have a black belt to learn from. Now I was just with a couple of purple belts. Um, I was a blue belt. They were purple belts, very good. But I felt like I didn't told me what's going on. Like no no one's telling me like oh come through and do seminars. I just didn't know. So I told Junior when I when I finally got a hold of him. Since he's not around, I'm gonna be leaving and finding something else. And I met Pedro at a seminar through Frank Cucci. Uh, I was doing Thai boxing with Frank and he told me um, at a seminar and he told me to uh, meet Pedro and that was when I was 18. So when I met Pedro, uh, he just showed me the way and I never looked back. I said I'm I'm done. Uh, I'm in good great great terms with Carlson. Um and Megaton and I are on good terms too. So it's all good but I needed to have somebody that had my back, you know, and was going to be kind of like it, not that I had to have him do things for me, but him to tell me what the direction was that I needed, and that was that was something important to me at the time in my life.
0: Yeah, do you think that was some was that something that was different about Master Sauer at that time? Like that he was had more of a direction and kind of the curriculum stuff and an idea of how he was building people compared to other academies that you'd gone to before? Or did they all kind of have that?
1: Yeah. Well, Megaton was a straight competitor. As you know, he's still is. Like he, he is a straight competitor. And every practice was just hard. Everything was about just to the end of the day training hard. Uh, not a lot of instruction at all. Nothing about street self-defense, nothing about MMA, not nothing about like reality of fighting, just sport. Judo and jujitsu. And Carlson Jr., you know, he's from the family. So, um, you know, Pedro not being a Gracie, coming up under the Gracie's and having, like direct connection to Alio and Hickson and get coming over here hard from, from Orion and working for the Gracie Academy. He just knew the structure, what needed to be done. And Carlson Jr. is on Carlson Gracie's side. The, the Carlos Gracie side of the family. And again, very sport oriented, very like fight oriented. Whereas, like, and I love that. I love that kind of the time I spent there with Carlson Gracie because I got that flavor. Uh, but Pedro, just kind of a little older than all of them, too, just knew that I needed direction, gave me the guidance, um, basically told me, you know, you got to learn to in, the, in a basic manner first. And I went back to the drawing board and relearned the thing. And um, my first private class with him, I got to kick his butt. You know, I'm like, I'm going to kick Pedro's butt. This guy he's not a Gracie. He's not Megaton. And man, he just like, what do you want to learn? And I said, I want to roll. He's like, you got an hour. That's all you want to do. Don't you have questions. And I'm like, nope, I just want to roll. And uh, he's like, okay. And he just put it on me and, <laughs> just teased me a and That's when I learned like, I don't really know any jujitsu. Like I, I know moves and I'm like, I'm physical, but I don't know any jujitsu. So that was it. it was the changing point, turning point, And I never. Good lesson then. Yeah. He like put his hand on my back and be like, what are you going to do now? How are you going to break my grip? break it i thought oh, i'll just break it like how couldn't try to break his grip what about what about now the other hand's coming come on watch out and i'm like trying to fight him and he just <laughs> what about now i go for your arm i'm like i do this like well then do it no no bam armbar <laughs> just cool little lessons
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh he uh, it just baffles me every time i see him do anything it's, uh, it's really strange
2: for me sitting here, listening to you talk, Jeff. I think, you know, I've been training for what, eight years almost now, but the person that I've seen train jujitsu probably the most is, is you alongside Master Sauer in, in the DVDs and the videos that, that went out.
1: In my old academy. That was in my school. Was it really? Yeah. And we had only one-inch zebra mats, and they were rock hard. And he would throw me and practice moves before filming. And I just took a beating, man. But I loved it back then. I was so honored that he asked me to do it with him. And um, I traveled a lot with him and I got to be his, his partner for demonstrations. So I learned jiu-jitsu backwards. Like I would have to be on point. So as he's teaching, I knew he wants my hand there next. He wants to do this next. And it's, it's funny because I got uh, Black Mind, Joey Deal, who's a lot like that um to at like he he can read my mind what I'm about to go, even if I have never gone to the position yet and um, I got to learn jujitsu backwards like that and and see the receiving side uh, while he thought that it was like so easy for me to go back and say no that's wrong because I feel it's that feels nothing like Pedro's move when Pedro did it to me it felt like this when you did it, it feels like this so yeah it was it was, you know, I'm grateful for the all those, those years.
0: Yeah. So yeah, good experience and feeling it as well. Do you find I, you learn, learn it better from how do you kind of feel like you learn stuff? Do you feel like you learn it best from feeling it like that? Or like kind of being shown it or someone explaining to you or what, how does it kind
1: of work for you? Um, I think both. Uh, I like listening to Pedro talk about the move and That kind of paints the picture of it, but I like the slow demonstration of it because more than because if you see it once, you watch. The next time you see it happen, you watch the. The next time you see it happen, you watch the lower body. Next time you see it happen, you watch the whole move again, and sometimes you change angles and you watch and you see and and you know I'm the guy that I'll go I'll say professor, the move you just did. the last time you showed it, your toes like this. Then you showed it, your toes were on the mat. So like, oh, you could do either one. Which one do you prefer? He's like, let's see, I don't know. I don't know what my toes were doing, you know? So he'll do the move a few times and be like, yeah, you're right, my toes were like that. Yeah, that's the better way. I'm like, okay, because like I'm seeing some moves that are make. i like to see the details that might not even be so important. Um, And I think that's where jiu-jitsu evolves a little. We can look at the, we all see the major movements, but what is the little things that we can't really see? And I know the invisible jiu-jitsu, like, you know, of course, the setups and the counters and the traps that we set. But mechanically, there's things that our body does that I don't think think we all always notice. So I like to explore the move, like the anatomy of the move. Yeah, it's like that you can solve a problem really. I can't get my leg here. I can't get my leg there. I'm like, well, put your knee outside first and then that solves it. Or point your toes and then that'll open up your hip more and then you'll be able to pass your leg. And it's just little things like that. That's what I really love about breaking down moves. And Pedro's a genius with it. So no better to watch than him.
0: Yeah, I think there's still moves on some of the the old white to blue DVDs or whatever that we'll watch again and again now. And still like every time we see him go oh, on that move, the same thing you were saying like, oh, you did this and your foot was like, you did it two slightly different ways. And why did you, what's the reason? Cause I don't even feel like he hasn't done it for a reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. And in filming with him, uh, even recently we reshot a lot of self-defense uh, a couple of years ago, we were supposed to remaster the white to blue And, you know, Mike, Mike Horhan is like, all right, professor, um, just show us, just start with the basic escape. Basic up, and Pedro starts out. We want to just keep nice short clips, like shoot the move. Say, okay, you know, here we are in the mount position. Little Jeff's got his hand on my neck. I'm going to trap the arm here. I'm going to bridge, or I'm going to upa, I'm going to roll. And then look what I could do. Then he's passing the guard. And then from here, be careful, the guy might push here. So Aloka, I'm gonna take the arm. And Mike's like, it's like 15 minutes later and Mike's like, all right, Pedro, now go back and just show upa escape. That's great, but just show the upa So then Pedro's like, oh, guys, trap the arm, trap the leg, bridge and roll just like this. Like, how's that, Mike? Mike's like, that was good, Pedro, but maybe like teeth, you know, like, oh man, it, it's it's comical. We have so many outtakes, original, like the purples, where he's trying to get it himself right. And he's the monitor fixing his gi and man, I look, I look fat. I'm like, Pedro, you don't look fat. I said, man, I, I look dark, Didn't look so dark. I said, you're Brazilian. I'm German. You might have some German in you, but you're not, you're, not, you're Brazilian. That's uh, yeah. so good. So, argue about moves I'm like you just taught the move yesterday like this isn't that the one you want to show no not right I'm like but it is I'm am I losing my mind well you could do that too I'm like well, what did I do I want to know what you, like I was just such a young kid like I don't want to be confused what is the move it's like they're both moves so laid back.
0: <laughs> we always had to and you've uh, guaranteed you'll have had the same thing. We were saying like to everybody that, that's been on, we've said, there's always that moment when we go to a seminar with, um, with Pedro and there's a few other, there's a few black belts there and he'll show a move. Someone will ask a question and he'll show a move and you see the black belts looking at each other going, he's never showed me that before. I haven't seen that before.
1: <laughs> Man, I just learned this move. Imagine it took me 45 years to learn this move. Now, now you guys get it, and, and the first day of jujitsu, guys are learning that same move. How how much better our life could be if we learned this move, you know, ten years ago. That's the beauty of it. That's why though, if you don't learn all the other moves, those tricks, those, they never make any set. They don't settle in, right? I told the guys, uh, I think it was last week or two two weeks ago. I taught a class, and you know. My belief is that if a move like a triangle or an arm or a kimura or a choke is not working, this, the solution isn't to find another variation of that, Come better at the, the finish. And well, I never catch anybody in triangles anymore. So that's because you're not setting it up the right way. You got to find better ways to set it up. Well, how? You know, I do this, does that, and then he feels it coming. And it's like, well, Maybe just change the direction. Don't go for the triangle so much. So the process of getting the moves is what has to adjust and, you know, the game. But the mechanics of the move, man, if you could get it, a good triangle should not have a good, a real good escape. A good choke, you should be, you know, should be done. If you're escaping, my arms get tired, my legs get tired. uh, The details were off, uh, things like that. So don't discount Think that you have to move on you've got to look at the high percentage wrestling single legs double legs these things you know basic body locks everybody wins wins medals with those things basic moves why what's the difference because they just become that good
0: so how do, what do you do with them um, like with your guys in your academy do they have, do you have like your fundamentals program and then they move on to different levels after that or do you have just a straight open rank or how do you how do you do it at the moment
1: yeah i have a fundamental class um it's 25 classes rotates and that's available on my website too you know like paid it's just our basics you know it's um i just organized it to where like class i might have a class that's like open uh sweeps from a kneeling opponent sweeps from a standing opponent or you know mount attack series one mount uh mount escapes that they're positionally focused and the way i categorize them it's like you can start at any time and you're going to walk in to each class and it's going to you can start on doesn't what day a new person joins the fundamentals they're going to they're going to get an introduction to the move and why why they're doing and The street effectiveness of that move, and then um, you know they they can get out and train, and they'll get trained consistently. Two and a half months later, they'll see the move again. Um, So I have the fundamental program, but I kind of went back and forth over the years whether I wanted to somebody strictly to fundamentals before to like a mixed level class, like my mixed level class, where it's I used to say once they've had each class once, they can now come to that. It's pretty hard to monitor that. And it's also like, I don't know how happy I would have been if my first time, like visiting Pedro's Academy, I was told I wasn't allowed to take Pedro's class. Um, so Mike Horahan kind of changed my mind on that. He's like, look, if somebody walks in and signs up on day one and they get a gi, you know, they can jump into Master Sauer's class. How cool is that? That your first day, you're not going to remember anything. I'm like, yeah, there's, so I have some kind of loose looseness there. That um, my recommendation to people is take fundamentals for a while. Um, if they're just like, oh, I really just want to take your class," they'll say, "Okay, great. We'll come come on Monday night. I'll be teaching. You know, make sure you have a gi, Make sure so you get somebody to, that can help you out." And um, but it's, I'll say, just keep in mind if you're a little lost, you got to make sure that the fundamentals maintain before you you come. So we're just kind of on a case by case far as that goes some people can handle it some people can be in fundamentals for years and still can't it still just don't even come to me they can roll and do all this other stuff like coming and doing moves and um i'm like well okay you know if you're not going to roll you're not going to go on to the next belt so you're gonna, you're gonna have to learn how to put it down a bit you know so i try to extend we encourage everybody along talk about the progress they're at what they need to be working on to get ready for their next belt it's not just technique it's not just role good combination of everything
2: so thinking back to those uh, those dvds and the and the white to blue blue to purple stuff that were put together is there anything from that 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 you would change now jeff after so many years of, of practicing that you know and and the moves evolving is there anything that you just throw away from those syllabus or keep it all
1: um, I would not throw away any of it. I've just adapted, you know, if, uh, and I can't think of a specific move, but, um, there's always going to be a better way. Um, there's always going to be a better way for us to make things work better, but on the basis of like fundamental mechanics have to be there, uh, passing the guard with the thumb stacking Right. I do that 9 out of 10 times. The only time I don't do that is when I can't secure my grip, so I turn it under and I hold low. And the person can't stop that. And that's like but so I wouldn't make that yes, it works and it's a lot harder to defend, but I think you'll have a lot less passing like that every time. So I pass the standard way most of the time. If I get away with it, good. If I can't secure my grip and anchor, then I pull it low and hold like that and continue the stack. So Little things like that are just little evolutions of people's games that you do. And, um, but at the end of the day, th- the moves, they're timeless. That's why I don't change them. You know, um, there's things I do. I, I look at it like this. We have our foundation and that's our basic move that we have to have. We got to have all the do's and don'ts from each position, offensive, defensive, uh, escapes, survivability. All of those things got to be packaged in this. Like this is, to then you've got your innovation, which is your middle period, where everybody takes their individual growth. Some people like to become leg lockers. Other people become really good at Kimura. Other, you know, are really dangerous back. Other are really dangerous from the top. But then you have your preservation, and the preservation I feel is like we have, the, we have the op, op, we have the the the. Responsibility uh, as teachers to make sure that the Alio that Gracie, Carlos Gracie, and all of the both students of theirs, like that, lives on their legacy. If we don't do it, because we're like a bridge, my generation is like a bridge generation. If I don't preach this at all, I preserve Alio Gracie self defense, and I don't preserve. The traditional philosophies, then it just gets lost by the by my students, and then their students will never even know that we were from the Gracie la- lineage. So, but if we get caught up in the history and make that our only focus, nobody ever proves and becomes them their own individual, you know, through the process. So, fo- foundation, innovation, preservation, and those are like in that order. And those three things, I think, if those three things are are better, then those, then you can become a black belt. It's a really, really nice way of thinking about it.
2: But I will share with you that I die inside when I turn up to a class and it's the, the foot in the belt escape from north south.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bill hiked <hates laughs> that one. Because you, you, you can't get your feet back there or what? Or you like
2: uh, no some, some days it works better than others but um but yeah just yeah just that foot in the belt it ends up being just one toe in the belt <laughs> but yeah
1: it's uh yeah, the so I mean there's there's probably I don't know let's just round it to like five percent we're talking three like 160 moves in those white to blue blue to purple yeah there's five percent of the moves that i don't do they never work. they never worked for me i taught them they just became less because when i was a blue belt and a purple belt and even a brown belt i try to stay m- as much on rhythm of curriculum as i can um as i become a fighter and more and more of a fighter more and more of a competitor have my own success i start sharing my rendition of things. And I never say, no, no, don't do this move anymore. But, you know, now fast forward, fourth degree black belt, I kind of have my idea of what I want my blue belt students to be. And every single one of them, Pedro Sauer would be proud of. And that's kind of my blanket of, of um, what, do you, what would you call it? Like uh, Acceptance, like if, if I know he's happy with them, it doesn't matter which variation of which guard pass they do. If it works better for this guy, cause he's 300 pounds and he can't quite pull that move off. We'll give him an option. and he will you know, he'll make that work. Um, just things like that, you know, but also I think Pedro, like I go back and I watched blue to purple and I'm always like, Oh, I forgot all about that move. I got to go back and, and revisit it and I'll pull it out. I'm like, guys, here's a, an old school move and it'll hold, totally reinvent that position. And so it pays to watch the videos, you know, it pays to look back, um, even myself, you know, as much each and I, I get I get in like a series and I wanna develop a, my, the front headlock series and my back series and um, whatever the position, triangle setups and just going down the line, I come up with things that like on my daily are part of my life. Whereas like the foot and the belt escape, I'm guess I'm not caught in that position a lot where I feel like that's my way out because I, I can get out using a more basic method. So maybe I just don't teach that because whatever, it gets kind of lost in, in the mix. I shouldn't say I don't teach it, I don't teach it very often. But then I'll watch one of my others, we've got really long legs just showing it to another guy, and the next thing you know, guys are trying to escape the position like that on me, and just down the line, it just kind of finds its way into the mix. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many, or like the, this and the chop. This is preservation. Self-defense to to me is taken is, has a different um, little overall different feel. I would take myself. Um, I really really love Hannah Gracie's outlook on fighting. Uh, the street tactics um, and being somebody that fought, being in somebody that's been in situations where where like, I've been able to control and avoid being fight. Um, you know, the scenario of self getting grab, these are attacks, but what happens when you're face to face and actually have to fight somebody? This is a little bit different um, than the surprise attack, right? So self-defense has to have this very big, broad, uh, outlook when it comes to jujitsu. And at some point we have to not be afraid to talk about say the F word that you might actually have to fight and, uh, your back is to the wall and the guy's going to hurt you. What are you going to do? You know, you cannot just hope to grab you and then use a move to get out. You just, you don't want his hands on you, you know? So we have to have the whole outlook, um, the shift of mindset for self self defense, self protection. Um, but yeah, I mean, I survived my whole fight based on self defense mentality. Um, when Massera picked me up and tried to slam me, I make the little hook. You know, I land on top of him. Can you imagine if Matt and I never make the hook, how hard in my head would hit the ground? Thank the guy's up. Not- so. And that's just, that was, I never trained that. I never thought oh, Matt's going to probably pick me up and try to slam me on my head. I, it was just instinct from years and years and years and years of doing it. And it's the same thing with just punch a guard and, you know, it all translates, right? It all translates to grappling because if somebody can punch you, they can anchor. If they can anchor, they can pass. All that good stuff.
2: When, with, with, as you're bringing people through your academy, um, one of the things that I notice is that people, obviously they get good at certain moves. So they tend to try and do those moves over and over again. But you see that when people roll, they, they don't always explore, you know, some of the sweeps on the blue to purple syllabus, you know, like the, a lot of the stand-up sweeps. A lot of people prefer to pass, you know, on the ground. And, and, and I think it kind of limits them. It, it kind of, you know, it closes mm-hmm. down what it is that they're practicing week after week. Um, do, do you, you know, do you ever like set some random rules, like you can only pass guard standing tonight, or do you, do you ever do yeah. anything like that just to make sure people keep everything fresh?
1: Yeah, so um, I would say when I'm teaching a series, like the other day I taught, I taught a, school, and the reason I taught it was because I pulled it off on one of my, one of my good guys and i was like i'm going to uh, this happened in day class i'm going to take that at night because it kind of like kind of from delaiva but um i don't do a whole lot from delaiva i have a few things but it was like um you know feed the hand behind the leg hold the call, reach up it was just a cool little like move that i used to do a lot of and i don't think it's anywhere on the syllabus but um it's out there you know people a very similar sweep i taught the sweep people were getting it right away so i right away showed some things that could happen you know could prevent it like i don't normally do that but let's look at stop it so our guys can be changed to kind of like make the solution you know find solutions for it well during our guard we did king of the guard and that was the, the person on the bottom got to put their get their grip, feed the hand and put the person in kind of the worst scenario and they go live from there. And we did lots of rotations. And now I can see people wanting to attempt to sweep because they felt it worked for them. So I think just as teachers sometimes, and I don't do it, it reminded me like how important it is that if we want people doing a double ankle grab sweep, something like that, and then we need to create a drill that kind of forces them to do that sweep. And you got to walk around, on, well, no, 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 yeah, but i like to do this. I like, know this is not time for your favorite moves, right? It's not time for your favorite moves. It, that's very hard. Like, you know, I, I felt like a lot of pressure going up. When I would teach, I would have guys right on my tail. You know, I was a blue belt, people sign up and they're like, oh, i a blue belt. Like, oh man, I hope I get my purple belt. <sighs> and know belt wise, was my mentality that i better be better than them so i always was just racing to be better and it's like i walk around and i got to be when i start telling everybody what i expect them to do i also have to know that like i got to be able to at some point in their time with me they get, they know that i'm capable of doing it myself and then they they gain that trust it's like trust work I know you like that sweep, but forget about that sweep. Focus on this sweep. We're only doing this. You handicap the drill, and you tell people first, do three-minute rounds, close guard drill. The person on the bottom, all you can do is collar choke. person on the top, all you can do is defend. You cannot even pass. And the person on the bottom, all you can do is collar choke. Any version of a collar choke. This, this, but that's it. And then you, you see some people getting tapped, some people not. Then after a few short runs, Top and bottom, top and bottom. People's grips get tired. Okay, now you have the option to triangle or armbar. That's it. No sweeps still. Person on top, you can only pass the guard if they go for an armbar or triangle. See, like in you, if you segment the drill, you, you funnel them down the line of improvement. Mm. Um, and then, you know, then you say, okay, let's five and everybody's blah, doing their own thing. So it's it's not that as a student, they got to know, like, Hey, I if I'm really want to be good at this, I better put my own time in and be uh, self-motivated because you can lead them, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. Is that the saying? You can show them everything they need to do, drill them, but at the end of the day, if open map comes around and they just go off on a tangent and do their own thing, they're gonna always be in that safe zone. I got a guy who only likes being in cross. Pedro had a guy that this guy uh, Utah who never get his back it'd be like a like a turtle on his shell, you know and just lay like nothing would not effective at all and you didn't want to be on the bottom of him so back then Pedro should be like hey you gotta you can only play guard I'm sure he tried He'd say okay I'll play guard then Pedro doesn't look and he goes up, right back to the top <laughs> I got guys like that they only they'll never want to be on the bottom and i'm like hey i'll like they'll shove me back i'm like you don't have to push me back i'm going to my back you know you don't have to shove me down i'll go it's all good yeah it's tough because everyone's different right yeah
0: how do you um this is something interesting that comes up like, like we see it a bit with um the enthusiasm of like a new student for jiu-jitsu and they're they're kind of trying to consume everything out there and you know that famous quote that every instructor loves like i just saw this move on youtube and they like but they're consuming everything Like i worry sometimes maybe that they're over consuming stuff and they're getting confused by not yeah. like you're saying like the fundamentals and you know i'm trying to steer them and say look go with the you know look at these fundamentals then you'll understand that stuff you see a bit better because you'll have a good base to to understand it but how do you how do you kind of guide people to sort of keep them on track with kind of the fundamentals and stuff and not getting too lost because i feel like sometimes it almost sometimes puts people off jujitsu because they go oh it's too much i'm never going to understand it
1: uh if i notice like something being pretty commonly done and i'll speak up and say hey come on now you know don't if it's something really off the wall i'll just tell them like dude don't do it like it's how are you doing that oh, I'm just trying this move, I'm trying that move. I'm like, yeah. So then, like, I remember, like, okay, tomorrow when I train with him, I'm going to put myself in a spot where he tries to move, and then I'm going to show him what's up, you know, and give him a little, like, pre- prevent it so he sees how, how it's prevented. Um, or I'll tell him, try to, try the move on me, or let me see you try the move. And it's that all the time, but this was when YouTube first became a big resource for learning it was a lot more and I would be teaching a class and I would look over and see kids, guys, grown men, I shouldn't say kids, but much younger than me drilling a different move. I said, What are you doing? I'm like, I just, from here, I like to do this. Yeah, but that's not my class. If that's what you want to do, then go do that at your house because everyone's looking at you like, why is, why are those guys doing that move? And then they start trying it and i have to make, and they'll say like, ooh, that move you just showed is the such and such, such and such, and I'm like, what? Like, you saw the video too? I'm like, no, I didn't see the video. This Just jujitsu. I've seen the move before. I don't know the name, I don't know what the name is. It's called this, and you could also do this from there. I'm like, no. So I used to like put fires out all day about YouTube. Um, And then I just said, you know what? I'm just going to let it ride. And if people don't learn, they don't progress. And it, it catches on after a while. It's kind of become the thing. Like, my crew now, they're not big video watchers. Um, a lot of my solid all too Like, they'll see a video and think it's cool and, like, watch it so it's in their brain, but they're not religious about it, you know? I think they'll, like... my like when my fundamental class is available online because it's, it's categorized and they can make the connections a little bit on some of the fundamentals. And um, it just tells a story, you know, imagine you like, if you pick up a, if you pick up a book about business or something, I don't read a lot, but you start at any chapter and you could pretty much pick up where you're at and learn something. Whereas like, if you pick up a, Novel and you pick up in the middle of it, no idea what the backstory is. So fundamental class is kind of, in my opinion, has got to be structured that each class tells its story, and maybe it shows a connection to other classes. And you'll you'll see like as you start watching some of my videos in the future, um, if you guys you know just go on like I said, it's gonna be free for the remainder of 2020 at least, just because I don't have a lot on it yet, fundamentals, but I'm gonna keep adding. You'll notice sometimes when I'm teaching the fundamental class, I'll say, and you'll also see this, like in class 20, you'll notice, I'll talk more about this, but so if you want a good reference to what I'm talking about here, go back and do that. Whereas in my normal day where I'm teaching that class, I would also tell the students, like, don't worry, there's another class coming up where you're going to get more details about the triangle, this class is not about the details of the triangle. This class is simply showing you the general outlook of the triangle. So yeah, just telling the story start to finish um, is really like, uh, I think the best way to do it.
2: So most of the people coming through your doors, Jeff, are they coming looking just purely for or, or you or know, with your reputation in the mixed martial arts? Are they coming in to, to fight? What, what, what's the mix coming through your doors?
1: For years, it's been both. Uh, People want to fight. People think they want to fight. Put it that way, they they want to be fighters. They they all want to be fighters. I just, um, yeah. But now we just have a patient. Parents want to come with their kids. Want to get started. Think you know, for myself, I don't. I don't have an interest in like training fighters, like. Taking on an existing fighter from like another team, and bringing them level and managing them and doing things like I used to do, I just these days really want to focus on my student base, um, just making a good difference in the in the community, things like that. And if somebody's trained over time, they're going to be able to fight skills if they decide if they're a team member and a lifelong you know guy and have my love and support, then for sure, then let's go fight somebody. I think it's a good thing to experience a fight, but I don't want to be a fight farm and have a amp like I used to.
2: And, um, you know, so pure jujitsu student walks through, I mean, what's your top tips for, for being a, like an ideal student?
1: Well, a lot of people come through and they don't know what they want. You know, they'll come in and say, oh, I heard this was a good place to come learn and my friend is kickboxing here. And I'm like, you know, well, here's the different programs. And we direct them. Uh, the ideal jiu-jitsu students, sorry, I'm yawning, I'm tired. I did like 10, I think 10 rounds today, 10, five minute rounds. I have not trained like that in a while. So
2: <laughs>
1: I'm still sweating. Um, the, you said, what's the ideal jiu-jitsu student? walking through the door?
2: Yeah. I mean, can you can you spot a good one? Can can you can you spot a good one from the moment they arrive?
1: Uh yeah, we can we can speculate that this person's probably gonna be good. Um, usually they're a little bit less they're a little more silent, a little more humble. They're just happy to be there. Um, they're not throwing the word fight around, they're not telling you about all the street fights they've been in, they're not telling you about you know, how all their past experience they're usually just like excited to be there get the uniform get hat, you know be humble and, um yeah i mean i but some people i think are not going to be that the perfect student and then you're six months in like man remember where you were six months ago i had no idea you were gonna this far mm-hmm. you know like i didn't you're going to be you lose 50 pounds and be training on the mat here every day and doing what you're doing like um so I don't want to be the judge of judge the book by its cover a lot of times, but you can tell, I can tell a lot of people that come in and blah, 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 blah. like, yeah, okay. Sign them up, you know what? Prepare their cancellation, because next month they're going to probably quit. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Do you feel like sometimes people come in a bit like that because they don't know, especially with, you know, again, with your background and stuff like that, do you think they don't know what else to say and how else to act kind of thing
1: well I, yeah that um or maybe they yeah they maybe think that's what i want to hear but i don't deal with a lot of walk-ins um years ago i decided that probably best they don't have the financial conversation with my students that much you know uh so my partner chuck and my my other um brown belt kyle that works for me full-time uh, they handle all the accounts so leave me out of it if i have somebody on my five months delinquent first of all they better not be five months delinquent that's because that's on them for not getting it handled but if they were and they slipped through the cracks i don't want to know i don't want to be like i don't want to uh, know that i've got these people in class that are scamming me and not paying um or whatever you know taking advantage i should say so i'd rather just like when i'm doing jujitsu i know i do jujitsu so i try not to worry about them of course sometimes there's issues that come up like with this COVID thing people are like hey you know um, we're not going to reactivate and we were going to but then you decided you're not going to run this class and we paid through the COVID so can we get a fund or something like that and we're like yeah of course I don't I don't want to be I want to do good business you know but most people aren't like that they're they're digging in and they're going to battle for us you know
2: yeah Yeah. it is great community um something that's come up on a lot of the other podcasts that we've done It's you know tends to just be a great bunch of people that like-minded and looking out for each other which is nice to be around
1: and that's especially if we can get them into that like month three or four you know like if a lot of people that like aren't lifers yet, you know, they're not so like sold out that this is going to be their lifestyle and this is something to do. A lot of those, I got a, oops, a lot of, you guys there?
0: Yeah. I um,
1: uh, said I got a low battery, but I got a charger somewhere. Um, A lot of those guys, they, they don't know what they got yet, you know, and when they don't know what they got, you can't expect them to make the, maybe the same sacrifice, we would I keep getting phone calls. One of my realtors is calling me. He's, I'm looking at so many buildings.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had uh, similar in that the places we train won't let us back yet, and then we had to last minute find because we could go back to training, find somewhere that would let us run classes till the other places will take us back and
1: did we did I flip or no?
0: No, you're, yeah, good.
1: you're good. You're good. I'm I'm not upside down or am I? Uh, you're,
0: you're good. Yeah, same, same as
1: before. Weird. Not on my screen. You guys are upside down. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. We just
2: do headstands to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a nightmare.
1: I don't look upside down to people.
0: No. Nope. Uh, you're looking good that at this.
1: My phone trying to close out all my windows that open for some reason um but yeah
2: so you um you run the the big summer camps right down in florida yeah how many years you've been doing that for now that looks like a, a great event
1: i just had my fifth um man it's one of my one of my favorite things and my Florida one, my February one, is now in jeopardy. It's probably not going to happen. By now, I would have already had seventy-five people signed up for it. But um, I'm going to flip my phone. Tell me if I'm still good. Good. Yeah, yeah you're All good. Right. This is better. I'm just going to sit and hold my phone because I, I can't look at myself upside down. Everybody looks looks funny. <laughs> uh, man they're they're so fun i had like 25 different teams from around the country uh, everybody getting together and um I had lots of guest teachers and just a good time but um yeah now it's in jeopardy so hopefully by 2022 we'll be back maybe later in the year maybe later in 2021 we'll be able to do something somewhere i had a fall one this 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 coming fall that i had scheduled for tennessee in a huge cabin that sleeps 54 people and has like two two hot tubs its own pool house its own little um like 1200 square foot like multi-purpose building next to the next to the uh, cabin and that's the only thing on this this lot up in the mountains so everybody was getting pumped about that i was gonna go I'd go out like a week early and we were going to stock the fridge. It was going to be all inclusive food, everything that everybody could want. I was going to stock all the fridges and um, have a. We had a couple guys that were going to, you know, run the grill and cook. And I thought that was going to be fun, but I I had to cancel that plan too. Another year, another year. Yeah. You know, Pedro's got these camps. I love me. I don't want to ever intrude on Pedro's camps because. You know, he's before me and this is his lifestyle uh, well before mine. So I want to support all of his camps. He's got his May and his November camp. Those are priorities to me. Um, August or September, if I could do something like a different price point, a different concept that would never, uh, or February that doesn't really get in the way of anything he's doing. That's why I'm doing them. Um, I need a way for me to make, you know, make my mark too. And, teach people outside of my, my team and outside of the association and stuff. And it's just good camaraderie. You know? mm-hmm. It's good vacation. <laughs> I like Florida.
2: <laughs>
1: you it's, get quite a lot, of,
0: a lot of people from other teams coming along then lots of people outside the association.
1: Yeah. yeah tons of them. Tons of them. Um, there's a lot from inside of my team and inside of Pedro's association. So the association is um, I got five affiliates. Uh, And they're all students of mine, you know, nobody is a representative of mine that hasn't been a student of mine at some point for an extended period of time. So my students all support one way, shape or form and bring people. My first couple, I only had like 10 or 10 or so of my students, not even eight, because they learn from me all the time. But when we moved it from northern Wisconsin to Florida, next thing you know, 30 guys, because they don't care if it's me they just want to get to the warm weather. <laughs> um, and then I have, like I said, I have guest instructors at Mike Diaz. You know, Cole Miller is a UFC veteran, superstar, like a talent. He's American top team. He came and taught a session. My black belt, Adam Miller, taught a session. Like I said, Mike Diaz, Joey Deal, tons of people. We all dig in and um, we pick a theme for the weekend. Like this last one was all kind of. Front headlock and crucifix based. And I just have a meeting with all my instructors, tell them look, you're gonna each get like a little 45 out section to do to an hour to do your thing. Just keep it in the wheelhouse. Well, let's keep everybody leaving here really good at front headlocks, you know, no matter what their level is. And when we got home about a week later, we started hearing about COVID. We just missed it. Man, that would have been a horrible camp to cancel. I would have been refunding like twenty thousand dollars, twenty five thousand. I would don't even think I had the money. I think I spent it already. <laughs> Who <Yeah>. knows? <laughs> Paying <laughs> bills and uh, what's what could possibly go wrong? Pandemic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit le- bit left field, wasn't it? It wasn't. Yep. Yeah. On everybody's radar. I, even, so, I I don't know. Why I feel like I almost jinxed it because I feel like I about two months, uh, what was it, November, I was sitting around with my with my partner and my girlfriend and I was saying, you know what would really mess us up right now is if we had some sort of pandemic, that would be a nightmare. Like we're just not prepared for anything like that. And then lo and behold, like, yeah, a couple of months later.
1: Yep. So I almost feel like it was my fault. So sorry, sorry world. <laughs> so crazy, yeah. And what a coincidence, right? Good thing you didn't say that like on social media. Ooh. everybody's been like you knew it yeah, you could have told cool. us you could have warned us you
0: know? you yeah I, did. I, did. I didn't work on the virus i promise i'm
1: not <laughs> that smart <laughs> yeah um, so you guys um how many students do you guys have um going right now at your guys academy before shutdown
0: what's the numbers <laughs> rob you're the rob's the numbers man <laughs>
1: I think we were looking at about 120. Good. And stuff. Yeah. That's not 120 anymore. <laughs> oh, no, right. Yeah. But it's going to, Pedro told me early on on one of my live streams, I got him on, and he's like, just remember, guys, human beings do not want to live in caves. They're not going to let this last forever. Right? At some point, they're going to just come out and get back to it. And you know, hopefully like there'll be some good success with the vaccine and people can start feeling comfortable and then we can start hammering business again. And uh, maybe I'll make my way out across the pond. Yeah, sure. You know, I want to go to Wales and you know, Brett Johns is a friend of mine and, um, and I want to go to visit him and train with him. Um, who is his, uh, you guys know Brett Johns, right? The UFC fighter, Brett Johns, he's from Wales. No. Yeah. Oh, man he's amazing and uh he's a bantamweight but he's up and coming. He's in the UFC. And uh he's also got another fighter Aiden I think Aiden James is his name. He's a black belt too. Um Brett's a really good judo guy but I got to train with um Aiden at the one of the UFCs I was at recently where Brett was fighting. Brett didn't train because he was just getting ready for his fight. Um I got to train with him and he was good training so I always want to those are good guys they're really nice people and I, I told him someday he told me someday when he's having a fight camp you know they'd bring me out and maybe get a little training in together and I thought yeah maybe someday I'll have a reason to cross, cross the water and come over there I wanted to get something going in Ireland too and just make a little tour I loved Ireland I was there for the UFC two years ago and not two years ago but also years ago and just like places i want to go visit more and train more um but now we got to get all this travel stuff fixed
2: yeah yeah it awesome to uh, it'd be awesome to have you over if you are uh, are in this neck of the woods
1: and you what t- what part of town are you guys you're oh, we're close yeah. to london close to london yeah 40, 40 minutes from london yeah, I've been to London. Um, I've also been to Exeter. Okay.
2: Yeah, the other <laughs> side. <laughs> With the other side of London.
1: East. It's a unique time. Because I flew into Heathrow, and we drove there for the for my uh, my cousin Pat fought. He fought Robbie Olivier. And then we had to drive back in the middle of the night, and the guy who was driving us was drunk. And he didn't and it was in the middle of the a storm and it couldn't even see the road and i'm like dude i'm gonna take over and drive and he was like pounding red bulls telling me he's fine i'm like what are you doing man or energy drinks but it was a it was a weird experience but it was a cool cool place because it seemed really old and like you know i had some fun there but man some strange people <laughs> Um, I, got we're, we're, the the I was there, and I like, get me back. I wanted to get back to society. We'll,
0: we'll keep you safer than that if you come again. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Get away from the Exeter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty far west. <laughs> so, it
1: was. Like, yeah. it took forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good four hours from London Heathrow at least. So yeah, yeah. No, we'd love to have you over any that you uh, decide that you want to come over. Then uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Cool. Where, where's, where's on your bucket list to train, Jeff? Obviously you've been spoiled for so
2: long training with, uh, with Master Sauer. Um, is there any, any places still that you'd like to get
1: to? Um, there's nobody that like, I'm like, oh God, I gotta get out there and train. But there's people that I've trained with already that I look forward to training with again. Mm. Uh, Marcelo Garcia and I started building a really good friendship uh, I brought him in for a fight camp and he helped me get ready for my fight with Takeo Mizugaki. And, you know, he'd also been back a couple of times to do seminars. I love Marcelo's style. Um, you know, when he came to train me, he was like, he had, we had met through Mark Bocek, who was an MMA fighter and, um, at a UFC. And I was talking with him and, he said, yeah, I can come to a seminar. And he was just at, at his peak, you know, just competing so much. And he thought he was coming into like this MMA gym and then me and him rolled. And he was like, man, I, I didn't know. Like, you're like a real jujitsu guy. I'm like, I'm a jujitsu guy is more than you're a jujitsu guy. I'm like, I'm a, I'm jujitsu to the core too, man. So anyways, I got close with him, you know, he stayed at my house and we built a good friendship. We got a lot of hard training. He taught me so much cool stuff that fits right in my style. And, um, he never tried to ask me to represent him or join his team. Actually, he, him and Pedro both together helped get me, um, re-invited back to Afgabi in Spain in 2009. And me and Marcelo, we, he shared his room with me and, um, you know, I there was no one else from my group, so I just hung out with him and all the alliance guys and five years ago and they're all cool. Um, Cabrinha, but nobody else was like, Oh, I'll join my team. So I like that about that. I was able to just train and be a, be with them and be with Marcelo for the week and then go home and not feel obligated. Um, I love training with Hoyler. Um Marce- and I love I love because okay. Hanzo, Hanzo is like Henzel is like a, of more than just go learn moves. Like I love how he thinks about fighting, so I want to be around his charismatic mindset when it comes to fighting. Uh, it was it was cool? I got to have a nice FaceTime with him like a year ago. Um, he FaceTimed me from a traffic jam, and we were talking about fighting. He was telling me he can help me get get in one FC and stuff, and um, I just thought it. I just like his spirit, you know. He the way he thinks about fighting and stuff like that. But man, I'm all I'm ever really excited about is to the point is just to get more time with Pedro. Like I, that's the, that sums it up, man. I really just love picking his brain, asking him about things I've been working on getting his take on stuff, asking him what he's learned from other guys. I know he travels and people show him stuff and then he like, that's cool. And then he, he learns and he perfects it. So what's new? What's on your list? You know? And it just kind of inspires me. So I really just seek him out. I don't have I don't have like a coach or somebody that I just want to like drill me and, and bring me down the line. I just I really just love spending my time with him if I can. Perfectly
2: understandable. <laughs>
1: yeah. He understands me, you know, and I understand him. So it doesn't complicate my style. If he says it, I believe it. Um, you know, and it's just, I don't know. You know, as time goes on, if Pedro were to move to Brazil, if um, you know, this kind of thing continues, everybody's getting older. Like, I want to take, I want to look back and never wish I had spent more time, you know, training with my master. So, I just seek him out. Perfect.
0: Yeah. yeah, perfect. I think it's probably a perfect place to uh, stop there as well. Is there anything else you want to like promote or talk about, Jeff? Is there anything? I know you said nope. about
1: stuff. And... I think um, I like everybody. It, it, there's no payment necessary or anything like that. Um, my website's going to launch soon. It's just a fun little project. It's not you no know, world beater thing or anything like that right now. It's just uh, jeffkern.tv and it's just going to start sharing my my style and my rendition of jiu-jitsu with everybody in different categories from no-gi, MMA, even striking fundamentals and things like that will be on there. But the library is gonna start small and grow over time. And until I feel it's um, something I can I can start putting a price on, it's gonna be free. Um, there's so much free content out there. I just, I think more than the moves, it's just how I'm categorizing them is gonna to, going to maybe be helpful for people that are teaching a fundamental program and trying to find a way to like categorize it. My mine has proven to be effective for me. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't for other people, but the TV. just put your name and email in, and then you'll be notified when the site launches. you'll have to go on and create your little profile. You won't have to put any payment information in or anything like that. Just go on and enjoy it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then give me feedback because, and then I'm gonna try to find a way to, um, I don't know how I can't do every time somebody says, hey, can you show this move? But I'm gonna categorize emails that I'm getting for people asking certain positions. And then I will respond to the ones that are getting the most traction. And I'll put out some, some more videos and stuff like that. Um, once you're a member, you'll have access and you'll get notified when we add new stuff. Yeah,
2: cool. Fantastic, nice,
1: nice. So, I get four. I should get four notifications when we end this call, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys, you I'm, guys
2: I'm on it. I'm on it now, Jeff. I'm on it now. <laughs> He's already there. Look. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: it's, okay. gonna, it's
0: gonna be cool, it's gonna be fun, yeah, yeah. And I'm
1: well, sure so, so far, good. film, there's fun, and I'll let you go. Yeah, uh, fundamentals The once it launches this week the BJJ, or I should say early next week, I'm a week behind, um, BJJ fundamentals will be on there, 25 classes. Then I'm going to launch the striking basics, upper body and lower body offense and defense. Then I'm going to launch, um, one of my first series, which will be my front headlock series, volume one. And, um, you know, physically, I'm not at my best in filming this. It was during the middle of quarantine where I'm getting fat, but it's all good. The material's there. And then um, I'm going to have another section where I add vintage training and like old training in mine and preparation. I'm going to get into a syllabus of MMA stuff like takedowns, MMA, ground and pound, striking from the bottom, a whole bunch of things, offbeat stuff that I think people will enjoy and, you know, working into their training but then just also the overall jiu-jitsu program you know what my purple belt exam looks like what my blue belt test looks like um all the fun stuff
0: sounds yeah sounds good and I think all of us are signed up already aren't we i
1: yep. got um, my, <laughs> on my uh, email <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh I said one of yours is trash it's not trash
2: <laughs> that, would that, mate, that would be me. That would be
1: me. I just sent bills <laughs> to trash. What it? No, it's not your emails and just a notification. Okay. Awesome guys. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh said awesome. Great. No, it's great. It's good for our guys to keep them in touch with jiu-jitsu when they haven't been out of train to you know, speak, you know, to watch us speak to all you guys and people have been saying how great it is for them to, you know the fact that how generous all of the black belts, you know, you included have been during this time of talking to us and we kind of started doing the podcast as something to keep us in touch with it. Cause yeah, I don't watch a ton of jujitsu videos, but I get to talk to a different black belt every week and it's made a massive difference to me whilst we haven't been out of train. So yeah, no, we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I appreciate having a voice, you know, Pedro Sowers uh, means the world to me. So when I can speak with any of his, um and just share my love for him and you know his jujitsu and you know at the same time maybe share a little bit about myself i'm all i'm all about it so i appreciate it too guys wicked right what i'll do is i'll stop the
0: live stream here thanks guys for tuning in those that have been watching live and then we'll obviously this will go on youtube and all those other good places Um, and yeah